I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Liz, I have to know if you've been to Winstead's yet. I did it like the second we got here. We got to my parents and then my dad and I got in the car and drove and picked up Winstead's. So, oh yes, my God. I'm planning to go, I hope, again tomorrow before we leave. Have you had a chocolate malt you eat with a spoon? No, I gave those up. <gasps> my dad had one. Sacrilege. Frosty. Yes. Oh, my God. Well, in my family, there are chocolate malts you eat with a spoon. Oh, okay. All words required. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we have a reality check, I guess we'll call it, for aspiring writers. Follow your dreams, but know what you're in for. Next and Take a Hike, we'll discuss creating fun traditions and not just at home. Sarah, you and I have a lot of fun work traditions. Yes, we do. And speaking of work in the craft and fane, we'll explain the writing process inside of our writer's room, prompted by a great listener question. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack will help make your summer vacation even more enjoyable. But first, Sarah, we have a couple of updates. This being our semi-summer off, you're in Minnesota. I'm in Kansas City. We're um, recording remotely. Yes, we are. It's raining here. I am incredibly pleased to report. It's like cloudy and raining. Oh, it's so great. I'd forgotten what like rain in the trees overnight is like. It's Wonderful. What about you, Liz? What's it like in Kansas City? (laughs) The best. In Kansas City, it's like 99 degrees. It's But, you know, I love that sweet (laughs) summer Kansas City air, so I don't even care. I just love it. But it's very hot. But happy to be here. Yes. Okay, and Liz, we have an email from our listener, Amy, who sent in some lingo from her career in PR. Yeah, she says... Love listening to Happier in Hollywood and is a copywriter in the advertising and PR world who has worked on brands from pizza to pap smears. Seriously, I would love to share a few proverbs of the profession from my industry. One is, it's a long walk for a ham sandwich, which I can't believe I've never heard that (laughs) phrase. It means a creative concept isn't worth going to the lengths it would take to bring it to life. 
I love that. And I feel like now we're going to have to use that in our writer's room somehow. And then the next one is, this is PR, not the ER. She says, that's what we say when we realize that really, truly, no one is going to die if we don't get this campaign out the door today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, we have to remind ourselves that of that as well. And then the last one is kill your darlings. And that's something we do say a lot in television writing. Don't be, and it means don't be precious with your creative ideas just because they're yours. Be willing to sacrifice your ego to make better work. And it really is true. Sometimes we'll have something that's our favorite thing in an episode and it'll end up just not fitting in and we have to let it go. Yes. And often it's not our idea even. It's someone else's idea that we just love, 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 love. But for the greater good of the whole, we have to kill our darling. It's very hard. (laughs) Yes, but we do it. Okay, so thank you for those, Amy. And everybody, keep that lingo coming. I mean, I just, every time we get new lingo, I just like gobble it up. I absolutely love it. I get such a kick out of it. Now it's time for From the Treadmill Dust Oven, which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's a reality check for aspiring writers. You know, Sarah, we have touched on the sort of changing nature of the business many times. But, you know, we both had conversations recently with aspiring writers, you know, really young people who are just starting out. Um, I talked to someone who's still in college even And we were talking about how we felt the need to communicate where the business is right now, that we wanted people to have that information. And it's something we touch on here, but we haven't really laid out the situation and we thought it would be useful for people, if not the most fun topic. (laughs) Yes. And we've been talking about this. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but specifically now because I had a Zoom with a writer who was just starting out who went to my college. And I was, I was very honest, I would say, sadly, brutally honest. And I've been feeling really guilty about it. And you were like, you know what, people need to have this information. And you tend to be the one who's really blunt about it. And I'm always kind of more like, go, 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 you know. But in this case, I was just like, listen, It's really hard, and this is why. And I felt bad, but later he emailed and he was like, listen, this is good stuff for me to know. It's really important for people to know this. So we're going to keep talking about it. That's right. So now we're sharing it uh, at large. And what I say is, look, there's many ways with the business is better. I mean, television has, the quality of television has never been better. There are more inclusive voices, which was desperately needed. Women have more of a voice, which was needed. That's all great. Okay. On the other side of it, however, because of the changing nature of shows, so many shows are six episodes, eight episodes, 10 episodes. To get 13 episodes is a lot of episodes these days. And on top of that, many shows will have a writer's room and break a season or even write the the, uh, scripts and then not go into production. Right, for months or ever even sometimes. Or ever, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And what that has done is made it way less stable of an environment for working writers. So 
you make a lot less money because when you get to a certain level in TV, which is not very high, I mean, it's like low, mid-level, you get paid per episode. So there's a big difference between between doing eight episodes and 22. So you're making a lot less money. On top of that, they're actually paying less. Why, I don't know, because everyone is making more than they've ever made. But I don't know if it's because it's become so corporate and the only thing that matters is the stock market. But for sure, it's hard to make a decent amount. I mean, when I say a decent amount, I mean, if you want to buy a house, have kids, go on vacation, all of that. And the problem is, and to me, this is one of the biggest problems, Sarah, is you are always having to try to get your next job. Yes. Like I look at the lower level writers that we work with right now, for example, who just did 13 episodes of Fantasy Island. We're not going on the air until January. We don't know if there will be a third season. We will certainly hire them back if there is, but we can't make any guarantees. So they have to now in the interim go out and get another job while telling that other job that that Fantasy Island is in first position, it's just everything is much more complicated and uncertain and short-lived. Well, and Sarah, it's not just the lower-level writers. I mean, you and I are also having to look around well, good point. and try to figure out our next job. <laughs> yeah. It's all levels. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like even when you're so-called successful, you still do not know ultimately where you're getting your next paycheck. And it can, the thing about television is it moves at a slow pace and slower all the time in terms of shows getting picked up, which means it could, it's not like it's two weeks between jobs. It could be eight months. It's not easy to get another job a lot of the time. And not because you're not even desired, but because someone's like, yes, we want to hire you. Oh, we'll know in uh, three weeks if the show's getting picked up. Oh, three weeks later. You know what? It's going to be another month. But hang tight. And so it's just very uncertain, um, which is save your money. Obviously, we talk about that. And then... Another thing that's frustrating from our point of view as writers is for some reason, the studios seem to be giving all of the, not all, look, there are these mega massive overall deals like Shonda Rhimes has one, uh, Ryan Murphy, but I mean, that is really the top of the top of the top of the top. For everyone underneath, studios are largely, not totally, but often giving deals to non-writing producers instead of to writers, which again, it's having an overall deal provides a lot of stability, but there are fewer to be had. Right. And within the context of one, there are often fewer opportunities. So it's like it's a double-edged sword either way, but for writers, the number of them, if you want them are dwindling dramatically. And then the other thing which we talk about and complain about all the time, and by we, I mean every single writer in Hollywood, whether you're in features or in TV, is free work. Like, right now we're going through this epidemic of free work, of writers, like, spending months on pitches for no money, of writers spending months developing things and having thousands of conversations and writing bazillions of documents, and I'm exaggerating, but I will say only slightly, and getting no money for it, 
because nothing, you don't get paid for anything until it sells. It's all just so much is being expected of writers for very, very little reward. Yes. And it's funny because, you know, you and I were talking about this free work issue. And sure enough, that same day, we got an email from a friend which went through a timeline of free work they'd done to try to sell a pitch. And I mean, a year will go by and you're still doing this work and it takes a lot of hours. Um, Now, like Sarah, for instance, like with Fantasy Island, you and I did an enormous amount of work on that pitch. Had it not sold, that would have just been hours we lost. I mean, you said hours, but it's months. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And one thing that you and I, in fact, think about when we're pursuing a project is, do we think this has a good chance of getting on the air? Because if it doesn't, we don't want to put in all this free work. Absolutely. It completely changes the calculus of the projects that we want to get involved in because the endless amount of free work is just like if it's not going towards something that's at least like a little bit of a sure thing we just can't spend the time yeah so my message is it's not that we look we love being tv writers we started though at a different time and just want people to be aware of like what they're getting into because it's not like there's a there there these days for the most part yeah. you are always going to be as if it's the first job you've ever had and you're, you know, looking for that next gig. So we just want to make sure that people understand that lifestyle because it does take a certain um, stomach. You need to have a certain stomach for it. Yeah. And like we have friends who for years who work in other industries and other totally different careers and um, who will say, I don't know how you do it. How do you deal with the uncertainty? How do you manage it? And I will say up until the last few years, it didn't really feel uncertain. But this shift in the business model has made it feel much more uncertain for everyone at every level. Yeah. And just harder. I mean, it's just, it's it's suddenly like a gig economy job where you're just like hustle, 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 hustle. So yeah, like you said, if that's not something you want to deal with, this is definitely not the job for you right now. And, you know, it'll evolve. Things will change. The business is constantly changing. So maybe in 10 years, it'll be totally yes. different. Who knows? Probably worse for 100%. writers. Although we do have a good union. We have an ass kicking union. So hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. We do. So anyway, that's our reality check for the day. Not to bring anybody (laughs) down, but uh, we want you to have the information. Um, Now, coming up, we're going to talk about something more fun, which is work traditions. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. 
Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, in which we discuss physical, mental, or spiritual health. Today, it's mental health. Create fun work traditions. Yes. So people often create traditions in their family lives. I think people are very aware of that. But it's really not something people talk about so much related to work. And you and I have found that work traditions really enhance the experience of a job. Absolutely. We find that they help us mark important milestones early on in our career. Whenever we would sell anything, (laughs) we would go to the Ferris wheel on the Santa Monica Pier and take a Ferris wheel ride. And it felt so celebratory and uplifting and fun. We've since moved farther away from the Ferris wheel. So we (laughs) Yes. We don't do that anymore, but we have it's we have such strong memories of that tradition. Yes. And then, you know, work traditions help you bond with other people. I mean, it helps us bond with each other, of course. And then also when we do it with others, it helps us bond. One thing you and I love to do, I mean, pre-COVID, is <laughs> taking um the staff out to Benihana for a holiday lunch. That's our thing. And we have done it on multiple shows. Sarah and I will take everyone to Benihana. If anyone doesn't know what Benihana is, it's one of those restaurants where you sit around a big grill and the chef makes the food in front of you and does tricks. And it's just super fun. And we would do that every Christmas. And then you and I also have a tradition of going to Benihana, the two of us, for lunch uh, when we're on hiatus. Yes, that's how we like know, okay, we're off now. We are totally not thinking about work. Of course, we sit there and think about what the next thing is, but it's still nice. It's still a fun tradition. Yeah, Sarah, what I've noticed is when we're relaxing, we go to Benihana. When we're really stressed, we go to Katsuya. (laughs) That's so true. That is so true. Yeah, Benihana is our like chill out tradition lunch. Yes. And Katsuya is where we go if we're like, you know, we get the bento box and sit there and figure out how to break a story or something. That is so true. And then something you and I like to do is, (laughs) at least in the past, go to the Ojai Valley Inn, like for a kind of work retreat. That's a tradition that we have had for many years. It's a little different now that I live in Ojai, although I maintain that we can still go to the Ojai Valley Inn. Sarah, you know I agree with you. Um, I 100% think we should still go to the Ojai Valley Inn. I mean, but it's really those weekends or during the week whenever we went that kind of led to you falling in love with Ojai because then you had started going and taking Violet. You know, it really kind of led to your whole life change. It did, yes. Now, the only problem with the Ojai Valley in these days is it's impossible to get in. It's so booked. Suddenly, there's this whole, like, influx of people (laughs) going to Ojai, and you literally cannot get a room. So we may have to wait for it to get a little less popular before we can do that again. Yes. And then, Sarah, you and I also have a tradition of going to Vegas. We have have two extremes. We have Ojai Valley in, or we go to Vegas and play blackjack. 
Well, that again, that's sort of the the if we're working, we go to Katsuya and the Ojai Valley Inn. If we're having fun, we uh-huh. go to Benihana and Vegas. Yes. And you <laughs> uh, you may have forgotten this, but um, sometime back on the podcast, we talked about how we were having our 20th anniversary as writing partners and we wanted to do something. And we had chosen we were going to go to Vegas and see a live podcast show. And we had yes. the dates. It was like May 23rd or something. And yes. then the pandemic hit. And so you and I still owe each other a trip to Vegas to celebrate our 20th anniversary. Well, you know, Liz, I have a great nanny now. I am sure she would be happy to spend a couple nights with Vegas, uh, to spend a couple nights with Vegas, I said, ha, to spend a couple nights with Violet <laughs> while we go to Vegas. So I think we should put it on the books. All right, let's do it. And then, of course, there's all the traditions people have at work surrounding birthdays, um, which you and I have very much bought into in recent years. We used to reject the whole office birthday, but we were convinced we were wrong about that. And I think, again, it's because people like to have traditions. Yes, and work traditions make work feel warmer and more familial and more collegial and just like a generally happier place to be. Yes, So send us your work traditions and we will share them. I'm sure we'll get a ton of great ideas. Send us an email or a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And now, Sarah, it is time for The Craft and Fane, um, where we discuss the craft of writing for television. Some people think it's just an art, and and it is an art, but we also think of it as a craft. And today we're going to talk about our writing process, thanks to a listener question from Alejandra. Chuck, can you play Alejandra's question? Hi, Liz and Sarah. This is Allie. I'm calling with a question regarding writing. I would love to hear in more detail the process you go through to write the scripts for your series. The impression I'm getting is that the whole room hashes out the storylines together, or maybe just the two of you do, and then a specific writer will take that outline and write out the whole script. I'm wondering if this is how it works, and if you could give us more details about how you all do it. Thank you. Alejandra, thank you for that question. It's a really good question. You you seem to have the general process nailed. That is that is generally what we do, but we'll sort of break it down for you. So we'll use, of course, Fantasy Island as our example. For Fantasy Island, we usually start with a fantasy, and that could be something that one of us comes up with, Liz or me. It could also be something that one of our writers comes up with, and we just sit down with the writers and start talking about it. Yeah, and we do talk as a group. That's when we're in, as we're always saying, the room, and whether that room's an actual room or a Zoom room, we talk and talk and talk, um, and and eventually we start doing what we call breaking the story, where we put it on the board, whether that be, again, an actual board or a virtual board, and we break out the scenes. And we start really general, and then we get more detailed. Um, we kind of like to know the in and out of a scene. and What's the point of the scene? And a lot of times we'll even have lines of dialogue that we know we want in the scene. And then eventually the writer of the episode will go off and do an outline. Now, I should say here, Sarah, it depends where we are in the season, if it's one writer going off or multiple writers. 
because it may if we, if we're early in the season and we have enough time, just one writer will go and write a whole outline and then write a whole draft. But if we're further into the season, it'll be two writers or three or even four going off and splitting up the work to do. Yes. And I want to go back for a second into the breaking process and say that you and I are people who like to know the general structure of a story before we really break it out into beats. There are writers who do it beat by beat and figure it out as they go. For us, we feel like it's better to know the general arc of a story, what the big moments are in the story, and then we construct the specifics of the story around the big picture that we want to accomplish. Yes. And Fantasy Island is interesting because we use a lot of freelancers. And sometimes it'll be the same freelancer many times, like Jane Espenson has done several episodes, so everybody knows Jane and already has a shorthand with her. But sometimes we have someone coming in who's brand new to Fantasy Island. And so then that also requires a sort of um, familiarizing them with the way we do things in the world of the show. And part of that process, and it's not just with the freelancers, it's all of us, is you also have to, like, have the time to just digress and go off on tangents and tell stories. And a lot of times in television writing, the best scenes come out of someone telling a story. So you need to allow um, that time because if you don't let people sort of get to know each other and be a little vulnerable and share things, you could miss out on a lot of good moments. Yes, absolutely. So often it's those digressions that lead to the really great emotional moments in an episode. You go, oh, wait, this writer totally gets this. This is the great beat from their own life that we should put in here. Yes, So that is the process on a mechanical level. It starts with a one-line pitch and then a story area and then an outline and then a studio network draft and then a reproduction draft. But the way we work the mechanics of it inside of um, our creative process is really going from all working to one. And another thing I'll say is that if there's a problem with the story, and I think we've mentioned this, Sarah, oftentimes you and I will go off the two of us and just really try to drill down between us on what is missing, what do we need. Usually there's some emotional component to the story that that's not fully present. Um, and once we figure that out, the rest of it will fall into place. And then we'll go back to the room and say, okay, we just had lunch and here's what we're thinking. And then we'll dive back in. Yes. So yeah, it always goes sort of like the room, the writer of the episode, and then us. That's the the triangle. It starts with everybody gets channeled up through the writer, and then we do the like tip of the iceberg. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great question. Thank you, Alejandra. Um, and coming up, Sarah's got a hack um, live from Minnesota. But first, this break. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. 
That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. Challenge yourself even on vacation. Okay, so Violet and I are in Minnesota. She has really, really, really wanted to go fishing. Whenever we're here, I always get a fishing guide, and we (laughs) go out with the guide, and he deals with the worms and the minnows and the leeches and the whatever, and deals with getting the fish off the hook and and filleting the fish, all of that, and that's how I like it. But... (laughs) Violet has been determined to fish off the dock and like really do it ourselves. So we have been doing that for the last few days. And I have to tell you, it's been so fun. I put a worm on a hook. She's, of course, totally comfortable putting worms on hooks and doing all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. I have always been like really heebie-jeebied out by it. But I did that. I filleted a fish that we caught yesterday. So, and I feel so good. It's been so fun. And I'm like very proud of Violet and very proud of myself. So that's this week's hack. Challenge yourself on vacation. Just push a little bit past your boundaries. Yeah, it goes with what we we talk about of going out of your comfort zone and also always back to my sister Gretchen's uh, live in an atmosphere of growth. And Even on vacation, you're going to enjoy your vacation more if you're in an atmosphere of growth. So it might be putting a a worm on a hook, whatever it is. Challenge yourself. Sarah, this is inspiring me. We're going to Hawaii later this summer, and I'm thinking I might have to take some sort of lesson, some sort of in-the-water lesson to Ooh, like a paddleboard lesson or something. That's what I'm thinking. Paddleboard. You nailed it. That's what I'm thinking. That sounds so fun. Okay, now you got to do it. I know. Now I'm accountable. (laughs) It's official, Liz. (laughs) The happier in Hollywood listening population. Yes. All right, that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So, Sarah, question. Did you, like, cook and eat the fish that you caught? 
Yes, it was not a super large fish. So, so Violet had the fillets for breakfast this morning. <laughs> oh my God, that's so exciting. I know, we're hoping for more, more fishing success today. From the Onward Project.